Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Word Alive broadcast. I'm your host, Mike Dobbs, and thank you so much for tuning in again. We thank you so much for your faithful watching, and uh, we hope that you are learning something, enjoying it as you do, making it a part of your day, and we certainly don't take that for granted that you would do that. And uh, when we ended our last broadcast, we were in the last verse of the second chapter. Yay, we made two chapters, and we're going to go into chapter three today. But before we do, I made a little promise a couple broadcasts ago that I was going to show you some pictures from Fiji. And we were there about a month ago, and we had a great time. We taught a leadership seminar, and uh, we did that under a tent, and then we did it in the Civic Center in downtown Nandi, which is one of the larger cities on the island. And we stayed in a very beautiful hotel. They were very kind to us. And we had a great time. They, uh, The men of the uh, church even threw a feast, a Fijian feast for us. And it was quite unique uh, and very good. And so we'd like to share a few pictures with you of what we saw on the island of Fiji. enjoyed that and we just want to share with you wherever we go because some of you are making that possible and we are seeing some great things happening in revival and harvest and conferences that we are preaching around the world and uh, there would be no way we could do that if, if some of you just did not take it on your heart to support us. So if you'd like to support us monthly, just go to our Patreon page and please uh, click the subscribe button and uh, that way you'll know whenever we post another video and we do that every week. Well, we're going back to the second chapter for one last time, verse 25. And of course, we've been talking about the creation story and Adam and Eve. And the Bible says in verse 24, just where we left off, uh, Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. Now this is what God intended for marriage, was that, that man and woman would cleave together, and that God would be the third party of that marriage. You see, marriage was never meant to be two. It's always meant to be three, because uh, when there's differences between the husband and the wife, their love for God will bring them back together. And God in his mercy and in his grace and in his love, because God is love. So you can't have love in your marriage if God's not the centerpiece, not true love. And even agape love, which is the God kind of love, which is not selfish, uh, that's how we're going to have a healthy relationship. And they are to leave father and mother and cleave together, become dependent upon each other, become a unit to each other. And the word cleave there literally means to stick to or to be adhesive to or to become one. 
And that's exactly what he's talking about here, and that they shall become one flesh. Now, I think it's very interesting that they say shall become, because we understand that the day we're married, that we do not become one flesh. In fact, there's differences that we have to work out throughout the years. But as we live together in the harmony of the Holy Ghost, and with God as the centerpiece of our relationship, we will begin to blend more and more until we become one flesh. I've been married to my wife for 37 years, and she can pretty well read my mind. And I think, I'm not sure, but I think I can read hers. So we know each other much better, of course, in 37 years, and probably have become a little more alike than we were when we first married. That's the becoming one flesh. And so that is the purpose of God, and that is the plan of God. That is the divine order, that a man should marry a woman, and that God would be the centerpiece, and that it would be a productive marriage, and that it would bring forth children, and it would populate the earth, and it would not be a selfish relationship of just self-gratification, but it would be a complementary relationship that would bring forth and be productive. And everything God does is productive. God is a productive God. So we understand that uh, that that is what he wants the marriage to be as well, and productive in many ways. And of course, in one way is that he told them to fill the earth or to to populate the earth. And, and that was one of the commands God gave along with subdue the earth. And that is what man's purpose is. As we've said before, man's purpose is to keep the divine order of God upon the earth. In verse 25 says, And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Now the reason they're not ashamed is because they don't know the difference between good and evil. And so it is not evil for them to be naked. And of course, they're, they're, they're husband and wife, so that's not a bad thing. But the Bible wants to make it clear because of what happens later that there's no shame connected to their nakedness because this is the dispensation of innocence. See, as long as you don't know the difference between good and evil, then you are innocent. And God wanted to keep man and woman innocent. That's why he did not want them to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, because once they ate of the tree of knowledge and good and evil, they would not be innocent, and they would answer for the evil that they did. See, as long as I am innocent, I don't know if I'm doing good or evil, and therefore I cannot be held accountable. Look at the mercy and the love of God. He says, if I can keep man and woman from eating of this tree, they can't be held guilty for anything that they do because they don't know the difference between good and evil. Therefore, they will walk in innocence and I will be able to keep them pure and I'll be able to keep them in fellowship with me and they will not have to know evil because we all know that evil has a very downside in the fact that when we do evil, it always has bad ramifications. When we sin, sin is death. Sin introduces dead things into our life. Sin introduces death into our life. In fact, sin introduced death into the world. And we'll see that as we teach today. So understand, God said, I'm not trying to keep you from anything. I'm trying to protect you. Because if I can keep you innocent, 
You'll never have to answer for one solitary thing you ever do because you don't know good from evil. You know, I kind of wish Adam and Eve would have stayed there. I think I'd like to live there myself because then you wouldn't have to worry about doing something wrong because you would do right and you would do whatever God desired you to do and you would stay in purity. And an innocent baby doesn't know when it's doing wrong, but as they get older, they begin to understand the difference between good and evil because it's in our nature ever since Eve ate the fruit and then Adam ate the fruit. And because of that, sin came into the world. We are no longer innocent, and now we must be punished for the evil that we do. That's not God's choice. He didn't want it that way. That was our choice. That was Adam's choice. And so man and woman were naked, but they were not ashamed. Now the rabbis say, some of them do, that that they were clothed with the glory of God. So it wasn't that they were just naked, but they were clothed with the glory of the Lord because they were the creation of God and there was purity in their heart and there was purity in their life and therefore they were covered with the aura of the presence of God. They lived in the presence of God and I personally believe that when God breathed into Adam the breath of life, he became a living soul, which means he was filled with the Ruach HaKodesh or the Holy Ghost. So Adam, when God breathed into him, because the Holy Ghost is nothing more than the breath of God, when he breathed into Adam, Adam became a living soul simply because God breathed into him. So he had the Holy Ghost, and he was in the presence of the Lord, and he walked in innocence, and he was a pure man, and he was upright, and he could stand in the fellowship of God with no shame because he didn't know what shame was. Notice they were not ashamed. Why? Because there's no such thing as shame. You couldn't be ashamed if you are innocent. If you are innocent, you don't know to be ashamed. And so whatever they did, God would overlook it because they didn't know the difference between good and evil, just like we do to our little children before they grow older. We overlook the things they do. We correct them, but we overlook them because we know that they're young and they don't know the difference. The same it was with God and Adam and Eve before sin came into the world. And what a wonderful relationship it must have been. The word uh, here that we want to look at is, of course, that they were not ashamed. Amen. And so the next the, the next verse or the, the key words we want to look at here is number one is naked. And the word there in the Hebrew is arom. It also can be in the feminine text of arom. And uh, it just simply means nude or, or, or totally or partially naked. Now, in this case, they were totally naked because that's the way God created them. Then the, the other word is ashamed. And we were just talking about that word. And the, the word in the Hebrew is bush, bush. And it simply means to pale or to be ashamed or be disappointed or to suffer delay. So you see, none of those things were in the lives of Adam and Eve before sin because they did not have anything to be embarrassed about. They didn't have anything to be ashamed about. They didn't know what disappointment was, and they didn't understand or know what delay was because they just understood that God loved them. They were walking in fellowship with God. Everything was wonderful, and God was very tolerant of them because he knew they didn't know the difference. And he wanted to keep it that way, but the, the, the serpent comes into the picture, as we know well, as we go into Genesis the third chapter. Now, verse number one says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. 
And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Now, first thing we need to understand is God created the serpent. The second thing is God knew what the devil was doing in the serpent. The third thing is God knew that Adam and Eve were at the tree. Now, I made a point earlier in one of our broadcasts of how large the garden could have been. It could have stretched from the Baltic, from the Black Sea, all the way down to even Ethiopia and on down into India. It could have been almost a third of the earth. So for them to go to the middle of the garden to see the tree meant it was an intentional trip. They were not just happening by. Eve was not just happening by the tree and the devil called to her. Now I've heard that story before, but if you really look at it, you see we are always led away by our own lust. The only thing that empowers Satan in temptation is if we are lusting for what he is tempting us for. Now, the difference between presentation and temptation is very, very uh, important to know. First of all, if somebody presents a temptation to me, if the enemy, if the devil presents a temptation to me or a presentation, it means that I don't have kinship with that. Now, there's some things that the devil could tempt me with that I would not have any problem saying, absolutely not. I am not interested. That does not appeal to me. I know what that will do. I've seen it destroy people. Not interested. Not even going to listen because I don't, I'm not in the least bit interested because I know the end of that. But there are some things I must admit, because I'm human, that I have kinship with. There's some things that my flesh likes. There's, and the flesh is the nature of the fallen soul. And so my soul that has fallen in sin and now has been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, without the power of the Holy Ghost assisting me, there are some things that I would want, that I might even crave in my flesh, that I would like to have. And the devil knows what those things are. And so he comes and he doesn't present things to us that he knows we're not interested in. He tempts us. And the difference between presentation and temptation is kinship. In other words, the things that I like, the things that are kin to my flesh, those are the things he'll tempt me with because he knows he has a better chance of me falling into sin. Now, why does he want you to fall into sin? Why does he want you to fall into temptation? Because you see, when you fall into temptation, the same thing that happened to Adam happens to you. Now think about this. When Adam fell into temptation, when Eve handed him the fruit, and he did not do it blindly, he knew what he was doing, when he ate of the fruit and transgressed against God. You see, Eve didn't hear the commandment. She heard it from Adam. Adam heard the commandment directly from God. He was without excuse, but he intentionally ate of the fruit. Now, when he did that, he forfeited his lordship as king of the earth to Satan. And Satan became the small g, God of this world, and took dominion of everything that had been under Adam's dominion. So as a child of God, when I fall into sin, I am doing exactly what Adam did. I am forfeiting my power and authority with God, my power and authority against the devil, and I am losing my positioning and my power because I am losing my purity and my positioning with God in relationship. So 
you've got to think about what you're losing when you're being tempted. And he'll always tempt you with something you want. And so we are led away by our own lust. He presents it or tempts us with it, not presents it, but he tempts us with it. And then our lust attaches to it and draws it to us. I don't think the devil said, hey, Eve, come over here. No, I think she walked up to the tree. And when she did, she gave Satan permission to speak into her life. See, the longer that I dwell on the temptation, the more permission I give the enemy to speak into my life. And when he starts speaking into my life, negative things start taking place. And one of them is I could lose my will, fall into sin, and then I lose my positioning. And until I repent, I am under the authority of Satan and his demonic dominion because I have become subject to him because I have willfully sinned and transgressed God's law. So understand that the law is not written on tables of stone anymore. It's written in our hearts through the power of the Holy Ghost and the Word of God. So we know better, and when we don't do better, then we have forfeited our power and our positioning and our authority to the enemy who has won the battle in the temptation. So think about that the next time you're tempted. You can't blame the devil. You know, I've heard it and you've heard it and it dates me to even remember this, but you know, the devil made me do it. Flip Wilson used to say that. Well, I'm going to tell you, the devil can't make you do anything. He does not have dominion over your will. God said, I don't have dominion over your will. The devil doesn't have dominion. You have to yield your will to God for God to operate in your life. You have to yield your will to Satan for him to be able to bring you into temptation and cause you to fall. So your will is yours and you have a right of who you're going to surrender it to. And my suggestion would be surrender it to God, be filled with the power of the Holy Ghost, and then you'll have the authority to say no against the enemy when he tempts you with a temptation. So in this story, the serpent is meant to be there. You see, you're always going to have a tree and a serpent in your garden. Now, your garden is your life. It's your relationship with God. It's your attempt to live for God and to do what's right. You're always going to have a garden and a serpent. As long as you live, there will always be a garden. There will always be a tree and there will always be a serpent. And that serpent is there to, to appeal to your lust. So it will draw you. See, she walked up to the tree because she's looking at it and seeing that it's good for food. At that moment, because she has compromised, the serpent starts speaking. And the first thing he does is call God a liar. Now, I want you to see what he does. Oh, I know God said that, but he didn't mean it. In other words, God doesn't mean what he says. That's basically calling God a liar. The next thing that the, ser the serpent tried to do is to make Eve think that this garden that is paradise that she's in is really a prison. How many times has the enemy told you that your relationship with God is preventing you from having all kind of fun and doing all kind of things and being, be, doing what you want to do, going out with the guys, going out with the girls, whatever, partying, having a good time, and because you're a Christian, you can't do that, so you're missing out on life. That is the enemy that is trying to make you think that your garden is a prison. 
And that's exactly what the serpent began to do to Eve. And as she, as he progresses in his discussion, he tries to undermine the word of God. How many times has the enemy tried to undermine the word of God? Here's one thing he'll say that is certainly a seductive thing. Well, God won't send anybody to hell. So even if you do this sin, it's not that bad. And, and really, everybody does it, so why don't you do it? You're just missing out. Everybody else is having fun, and you're over here trying to live for God and having no fun. You know what? That is a lie. And he's been telling it since the garden. And Eve fell for it. And we ought to be able to read about how she fell for it and not fall for it ourselves. But you know what? Human nature and the, and the lust of the flesh, if we don't keep it under subjection in prayer, will draw us away. Can't blame the devil. It was your lust that led you into temptation. It was your illicit desire. It was your fallen nature. It was the kinship that you had with what he was presenting that causes you to fall in sin. How can I fight that? Well, stay away from the tree. Don't listen to the serpent. You see, that was the whole problem. She went to the tree. Now, you know as well as I do that temptation does not strike us until we come to something that arouses that desire in us that prevents us from listening to God and listening to the Spirit of God that prevents us from being obedient. So we draw, we are drawn away by our own thoughts and we have a tendency to go looking for things that are going to create temptation. We are led away by our own lust. And that's exactly what happened. But the serpent was more subtle than anything God had created, and that's why the devil decided to use him, because this serpent obviously could speak. I don't know what this serpent was before, but we know that later it is the snake. But before it could have been like a dragon, or it must have had legs, like uh, because later on God said you'll crawl on your belly, so apparently the serpent didn't crawl on its belly. It was in a tree, and it was had a very eloquent speech, and Satan spoke through it, to Eve. Now she should have thought about it right then. What is this creature? Why is it talking to me? Why is it trying to discredit God? Those should have been the warning signals. But when you're drawn away by your own lust, you don't want to see the warning signals and you proceed headlong into destruction. But by the grace of God, we can repent and God will forgive us and he will renew us and he will reinstate us in power and position, not because we're good, but because of his grace. And we're going to continue to study the first verse of chapter 3, such a powerful verse that goes through the whole Bible, actually. This is the beginning of something that is going to proceed through the whole book. And at the end of the book, we'll see how it all ends and how God rectifies the entire situation. Well, I hope you enjoyed this. I sure enjoyed being with you again. It's always a great joy. We're doing everything we can to make the Word come alive to you. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Word Alive broadcast. If you enjoyed the video, please give it a thumbs up and consider subscribing to our channel. Once you've subscribed, make sure to click on the notification bell so that you'll be notified each time a new episode is released. If you'd like to support this ministry, you can do so by checking out our Patreon page and signing up for one of the provided monthly tiers. A link to our Patreon page can be found down in the description. God bless you and we'll see you next time as we continue to make the Word come alive to you.